You're listening to Show Me Your Assets. I'm your host, Dottie Dynamo, burlesque dancer and stripper turned personal trainer. This show is about sexy work, fitness, money, and everything in between. You'll learn how to train smarter, navigate body image in an industry that centers your looks, manage your money, and prioritize self-care and recovery so you can avoid burning out over and over again. While I have your attention, you should know I have the tendency to cuss like a sailor. So if you're in mixed company, grab your headphones because there's no telling what I might say. Hello, my sexy friends. So this episode is going to be a little bit different than most of the episodes on this podcast thus far. I realized yesterday that it marks my one year anniversary of taking off in my van and becoming a nomad and essentially a full-time traveling stripper. So I'm going to use this episode sort of as a year in review and talk about what it's been like to spend a year on the road dancing and traveling to different clubs, to different cities, what I notice in club to club as an overall on the what I observe, how other dancers behave, like general things that I see that I think we could all work on, and also just what it's been like from my personal point of view to constantly be the new dancer, to not really have a home club anymore because I'm not in one place. I'm not even really sure where to start. I have a list of bulletin points, right? Of like little things that I've noticed or I want to mention. And I'm sure, as you know, if you've been listening to episodes, that I have a ability to go off on tangents. So let's just say that it's very likely throughout this episode, I may start on one of these little bullet points that I have and skew away from it quite a bit, but I'll do my best to reel myself back in and just keeping moving through this list of things, this sort of like free thought dump that I made of what it's been like over the past year. The very first thing I want to bring up is body image stuff. I feel like that's probably not a surprise, right? We talk about body image and fitness a lot in this little um, avenue of the universe. And I've fully believe that as dancers, we are more prone to hangups around our body and constant thoughts about our body and being hyper aware about our body because of our job. And something that I notice for myself personally, and maybe if you have recently gone on auditions or you also travel dance or travel dancing is something that you are interested in, I want to really highlight the fact that anytime I'm getting ready to go audition for a new club, I become super heightened and aware of my body. I, so to give you a bit of a timeline here, I generally dance for about a month at a club and then I live off of those funds for two to three months longer if I can, depending on how much I made until I go work again. And that is one of the benefits of living van life is that the cost of living is so cheap that I can work for a month and then just live off of that for a while. It has really helped me both with the physical and the emotional burnout of this job after a decade in the industry. Um, Though I do sometimes 
miss being more active in the industry and having a regular club that I'm dancing at more more frequently. But just to give you that perspective is I usually have quite a few months out of the club where my body is not on display as much. I'm just living my day-to-day life. I'm going to the gym because that's what I do. I'm still working on creating this content and uh, assisting and helping out my clients both on the fitness realm and now on the money side of things. I'm just enjoying a different type of reality these days. And so every time I'm gearing up to go back to the club, because the time has come that I need to start making money again, I notice how hyper aware I start to get about my body. I start to wonder if I'm going to get the job, especially at some of the bigger clubs in the bigger cities I've worked at, like Las Vegas and New Orleans. I wonder if my body is going to get good enough, be good enough or up to par to get hired. So I just want to bring that up that there is such this heightened focus on what our bodies look like that it can, if you don't have a good handle on your body image and your relationship with fitness and your relationship with food, can have the possibility of taking you down a spiral into a, dis- into a more disordered relationship if you already have one or take you back down that path if you aren't solid in your relationship with your body yet. Uh, So I would love to know, like, if you do listen along to this episode, if that sort of resonates with you, you can send me a DM on Instagram. You can do a voice record. If you listen to this on Spotify, you can send me a little voice memo. Also, reviews of of the podcast are fantastic. But something to bring up that when you're constantly auditioning, when you're always the new person, when you don't have a home club, there is at least in my experience so far, and I'm willing to bet that this happens across the board, more and more consideration and heightened awareness of if your body is going to be good enough or starting to like have to reacclimate yourself to the fact that your body is going to be on display again all of the time. And how are your emotions tied to that? In a sort of related thing, I find for myself when I'm getting to a new club it takes me at least two to three shifts to settle into a club, to get the lay of the land, to understand the vibe and the dynamic, to, depending on what the prices are like, some clubs I've worked at, the price ranges for like VIPs are so much higher than I'm used to, to getting comfortable asking for that amount of money to where that I'm actually able to sell the rooms. Um, And just feeling comfortable in those walls. I I always feel comfortable in a club that is sort of, oddly enough, clubs feel like home to me. They sort of feel like a safe space, even though, as we know, there are tons of things that happen inside the club that are not safe and that can break your boundaries. And unfortunately, um, trigger warning, sexual assault. So... Just keep in mind that every time you go to a new club, there is that level of having to get reacquainted, right? You aren't comfortable and familiar enough yet to maybe parade yourself around like you own the place. And so if that is something that you find, or if travel dancing is something that you're interested in, I personally don't think doing a weekend trip for myself would be that lucrative 
because by the time I'm leaving the club, I might be just getting acquainted with the club itself and feeling really comfortable in the environment. Yes, like club is a club is a club is a club, but they are all a little different. The other dancers who work there will be a little different. Management will be a little different. The clientele, depending on the city, the size of the club, um, the type of city that you're in will be slightly different, even though their motivations are essentially the same, right? So it takes a lot of time to, or it can take a lot of time to understand the dynamic of the club in which you are working. And so those are things to just be very aware of and coherent about, maybe coherent isn't the right word, but definitely very like cognizant. That's the word. Very cognizant of if travel dancing is something that you're interested in, consider the last club that you worked at. How long did it take you to feel super acquainted to the club, to feel like you really were like in your groove? And expect that to sort of be the norm every time you're at a new club, no matter how long you've been dancing. I have been in this game now for just under 10 years, essentially 10 years. It The timing feels really weird also because of COVID that I start to question how long have I actually been a stripper. Um, but it's in that 10-year mark. So yeah, right? How does it feel for you? to always have to be auditioning? And how long does it take you to feel comfortable in a club, to really feel like you know the lay of the land? Those are going to impact your money a little bit in the very beginning, especially, maybe not the audition part, right? But the, the lay of the land, the feeling like that is your house. Another thing that I have found as someone who dances for a month and then takes a couple months off. I'm always a little rusty when I first get back to the club, if it's been months since I've danced. I'm a little bit rusty in my approaches. I'm a little bit rusty in my in handling the objections. I'm just a little bit rusty in what I, my personal style of hustling, as I call, I give myself the stripper challenge. And I make myself do a round of the club and talk to absolutely everybody. And I find that I'm really rusty on that when I've been out of the club for a while. And it takes me a while to get back into that swing of things where I feel comfortable going up to any and every client that's in there. And you should. You should be going up to every single person because every person that you don't approach is a dollar you possibly didn't make. Something to consider, right? We are chameleons or we are, if we are good at what we do, we have, we should be able to be a chameleon in the moment and be able to understand what it is the customer wants and the customer needs and adapt ourselves to that in the moment. That doesn't mean ever wavering on your boundaries or anything like that, but understanding that the experience in the club isn't about you, it's about the customer in front of you. And so when I have been out of the club for a while, I am rusty as fuck on some of those things, which is another reason why it can take me two to three shifts to get back into the groove and start making the money that I like to make these days and the money that I know that I can make. I also, I know that it's very common in our industry to go audition on a weekend night, like a Friday or Saturday, maybe even a Thursday, and then work that shift afterwards because 
of how I know myself now and because of like what I've gathered data data wise of working and living on the road for a year, I prefer to go in and audition on a weeknight when I know it's going to be slow on purpose. Because then there aren't a bunch of people that I need to be focusing on. There likely aren't going to be as many girls working. I have time to just really start to feel comfortable in that environment. Understand where all the things are. What rooms are this? Get used to practicing um, selling the dances or trying to figure out how to stack dances based on how they're priced in that club. So there's a lot of things that I have learned to do or I have started doing since I hit the road that really wasn't my style beforehand. And a lot of it has to do with what I've discovered about the process of not only being a travel dancer, but being a travel dancer who takes frequent long breaks from the club. Um, Just going through my bulletin list right now. So other things. Oh, this one has been something that it took me. I didn't, I wasn't prepared for. Okay. Something I was 1000% not prepared for when I hit the road because I had always danced in Brooklyn. For the most part, I danced in a couple clubs in Manhattan as well, but mostly in Brooklyn. Um, and even in the club that I danced in in Manhattan, it was kind of like you could wear whatever the fuck you wanted. Slingshots were fine. Mesh outfits were fine. Fishnet that you could see through. Boots were okay. It was really just like, as long as you have something on your body, you're good to go out on the floor. So when I hit the road to start dancing, the outfits that I kept, I realized were not going to work because they didn't fit most of the club's dress code. And I was not prepared for that. I only had G-strings. I really didn't have any thongs that covered any part of the back of my butt. I didn't have any fuller bottoms, like one outfit that had a fuller bottom. I have quite a few bodysuits that are mesh or see-through that I'm not able to wear anymore. That really sucks. I have a lot of bodysuits that are like full string tie back that I haven't been able to wear at a lot of places. So if travel dancing is something you want, start to compile more basic outfits. Something that you could wear at any and every club. So think less slingshots, less G-strings, less of the mesh outfits, and more maybe of your lingerie style even. Um, a little bit bigger of a bottom, or if it's a thong bottom, a thicker thong, not a, not a G-string. Have those, because most of the time you can take off the bigger bottom while you're on stage, but you can't be walking around the floor in it. Um, yeah, maybe just cultivate a look, right? Cultivate like your brand, your look, and then have a handful of outfits that no matter what you put on, it fits that look, it fits that vibe, and you should be able to walk into any club and be able to wear it. Because the last thing you really want is to, and I've had this happen, walk into a club, do an audition, get hired, and have nothing in your bag be something that you can wear. So then ultimately you aren't able to work the shift that you just got hired for. And depending, right, depending on where you are coming from as a dancer, this may or may not be a problem. But there are a lot of cities and a lot of clubs where 
it's kind of a free-for-all for your outfits and you can wear things that you wouldn't be able to wear otherwise. So start to build a more basic, um, I kind of want to say safe, but I don't, safe is such a undescriptive word on what that would be. But yeah, when it comes to thongs, like something that covers the, a part of your mid back, you know, that isn't just that g-string just the small thing a lot of bras I wasn't able to wear because they were see-through it's just it's a lot of things that you may not expect and it definitely sucks to get hired and then not be able to work so keep that in mind also when it comes to auditions always have a two-piece not every club will require you to have a two-piece but more often than not they will so if you just show up prepared in a two-piece outfit with your heels you're going to be a lot better set. Same thing with shoes. Some clubs you can wear boots, some clubs you can't. So make sure if you're going to a new city and a new club that you've never been to, don't only bring boots. Bring your standard stripper heel, knowing that you may or may not be able to wear the shoes that you brought. And if you can't, is that going to deter you from being able to work? Right? You never want to get hired somewhere and then not be able to work that sucks. And then you'd have to spend more money just to be able to work. So build this little collection of your stripper basics and just know that those are the things that you will likely need and definitely should have if you decide you want to do more travel dancing. Now, when it comes to things I sort of see in the club, and I want to preface, like I have worked now over the past year, I've worked in four states, and that might not seem like a lot, but if we take into consideration the fact that I said I usually dance for a month and then take a few months break because I can, that's the perk. Like, I can do that. I have worked in Nevada, both in a tiny little hole-in-the-wall club off the side of the highway right outside of Utah, where it was essentially dead, and there were three other dancers working that night, and I think maybe five customers came in the whole evening, to Vegas, which I have danced in several times. So those clubs are very different, right? Small town, side of the highway club, and then Las Vegas. I have danced in New Orleans, both at a more locals club, way outside of um, like the Bourbon Street area, and also on Bourbon Street. I also most recently danced in Ohio at one club, and I danced in Arizona at two different clubs that happened to be sister clubs, apparently, but I worked at two different clubs there uh, as well, which were, they weren't clubs that have like VIP rooms and bottle service and things like that. They were very much extra heavy clubs. And so I did not sell a lot of rooms because people were buying those rooms explicitly looking for something that was not on my menu. And that is perfectly fine. You just need to know, do you do extras or not? Does this club allow them? It's It shouldn't affect your money if you still know how to hustle. I still made plenty of money at those clubs in Arizona. I still made my goal that I wanted to hit. I just had to do things a little different. I had to learn I had to focus mostly on lap dances and always asking for tips when I was sitting for with a customer. I had to stack more dances. Uh, I also sold my dances for much more than other people were selling because 
I don't do $20 dances anymore. I just don't. I am happy to make $20, meaning I charged more than what the club said it needed to be so that I made $20, but I'm not selling a $20 dance and not getting a full $20 anymore. I just, I refuse to do that. Uh, been doing this too long and the $20 is severely outdated in price when we consider the cost of everything else in our lives continues to go up. Take that information and do with it what you will. Now, when it comes to things that I have observed in the club, in all of these clubs, more so in not the bigger cities, right? Not so much in Vegas or in the club off Bourbon Street. A little bit there for earlier in the day shift. I never worked a day shift in Vegas, so I can't really say if this happened. But get off your phone. Get off your phone when there are customers in the club. Please. It just, it doesn't look good. It sends the impression that you don't care about your time. And so then why do they need to care about your time? If there are people in the club and you're just spending your time on your phone, that shows that your, that your time doesn't cost any money, that you can go over and if you're willing to waste your own time in the club. That means that you don't care if the customers waste your time in the club. I will fully admit that when there is no one in the club yet, I sit on my cell phone and I do something waiting for customers to come in. The club I was working at in Ohio, we did not start to get customers until like 1030 at night. And I would get there by 8 p.m. So there's two and a half hours where I'm really not doing anything. So yeah, I would be on my phone. But I always did it in an area where I wasn't going to be viewable by customers when they first walked into the club. The last thing that the last impression that you want to put on a customer when they first walk into a club is just a bunch of dancers sitting around on their cell phones. That's not appealing. Why are we doing this? I get that there's no one in there and maybe we're bored. But when that door opens, your phone should be down. I should be attentive. Like that is possibly your whale for the night walking through the door. And if the first impression they get of you is just like casually sitting on your phone, looking bored out of your skull. I don't know. Like that's just, that's not the vibe that I want to give off. And I've seen it across states and cities and clubs. And I think it's something that we could all just do a little bit better at. Um, also like stand out. How can you make yourself stand out? One of those ways could just simply be like not sitting on your phone all night, but also stop giving away your time for free. You want to give every customer in the club the impression that your time is valuable and that your time costs money. If that means that you just have to walk laps around the club and stop for a second in an area, try to, you know, approach someone, even if it doesn't go well, do another lap, go to the back room for a second, but don't hang out there, come back so that you're always moving around so that you don't just look like you are stagnant and in one place. Keep that illusion that you are important and you are off somewhere. Give the vibe of 
Oh my goodness, what is the word that I'm looking for? Kind of unavailable, but that is not the right word in this instance. Just of exclusivity, right? Like you are a hot commodity. That's what I want to say. Like you want to give off the vibe that like you have so much going on that they would be lucky. They would be so lucky if you gave them the time of day. Stop sitting. Another thing is like, stop sitting with customers for so long. I see this all the time. I see this all the time. And I know that it's something that I did when I was a younger dancer, when I wasn't really competent in my sales skills, or I didn't feel comfortable yet going up, like leaving a table and literally approaching the person next to them. But you have to start to learn like, at the end of the day, this is a job and this is a sales transaction and neither the person you're sitting with is going to spend money either tipping you for the time that you were there, tipping you to sit there and have a conversation, or spending money to take you out of that room to another room. And if you've been sitting with them for more than 10, 15 minutes and there has been no discussion of money or no exchange of money, it is time to move on. You are not there to be their friend. You are not there to be their friend. You are there to provide a service and either they would like to pay for it or they would not. And that does not mean to be rude to them. That is not to say like, if they don't want to spend money that you get like cocky and mean about it, you just move on. You move on. You can circle back and check on in the, check on them later. I do that all the time. And sometimes it leads to a sale. Sometimes it doesn't. Every dollar you don't ask for is a dollar you don't get. Another thing when it comes to travel dancing specifically is that you have to stop thinking that you're automatically going to make more money in a different club or a different city. You have, you have to stop thinking that a different club or a different city automatically means more money. Yes. Sometimes it is true that a different club you are going to make more money at or in a different city you will make more money, but that is not always the case. And relying on that thought process is taking away your own responsibility to work on your own skills as a dancer. Then you are putting everything on external, right? Oh, the club is slow. Oh, these customers don't have money. Oh, this, oh, that. But you personally aren't taking any responsibility for your part in the equation. A club can be slow and you can still make money. Yes, the odds are not in your favor if there are a bunch of dancers and 12 customers for the evening. But if 12 customers came in and you decided to only talk to two of them, well, then your odds of making money weren't so great. So stop thinking that you're just going to fly to another city for the weekend. And because this club is in a big city, that that automatically means you're going to make more money. Because you are the common denominator, right? No matter what club you are in, you are always there. Your hustle, your sales skills, your attitude, your personality, like, those are part of those are part of the job as well. Yes, your odds might be better. Yes, the club overall might have more money because it's in a tourist city where people are specifically going out to the club to spend money. 1000% your odds of making money there might be better, but remember, 
that when you're going to a bigger club in a bigger city, you also have more competition. And your competition are most likely higher earning hustlers. And I mean the people who are out there who are going to talk to every customer who know how to get people to buy rooms. Like those are now your competition. So if you aren't able to start to bring up your numbers in a smaller club, you have to stop assuming that automatically going to a different club in a different city is going to be your solution. Something to consider. Travel dancing can be a really great opportunity to learn more about yourself. It can be a great opportunity to to improve your hustle because your hustle will need to be just a little bit different probably at every club based on the club's dynamic itself and the type of clientele that come in there, just the overall type of city that it is. Is it more blue collar? Is it more tourist? Is it more um, up class, you know, high scale? Like all of those things are going to impact how things are going to work in the club. At the end of the day, it's a sales job. So your sales skills matter, but bigger clubs sometimes mean also bigger competition. So work on those skills, right? Work on those skills. Because you might find that if you are a really good hustler and you do like to travel, maybe you, maybe being the big fish in a small pond is your ticket to making bank, right? Maybe, maybe not. That's something you have to figure out for yourself. I don't have the answers. I can just have what I have noticed and what I have learned over the past year being on the road. Another thing that I notice and I think that we all need to work on, myself included, because I still do this sometimes, although I'm much better at not doing it, is stop assuming people don't have money. Based on how they look, based on a vibe you're getting, based on the fact that they turned three girls away, Maybe you're the girl they're looking for. Maybe you are going to say the thing that the other people didn't say that's going to get money. You don't know. You don't know. So you have to stop assuming that people don't have money and learn how to approach every single customer. Learn to approach every single customer. I think, oh, the only thing I really didn't hit on so far and that I also think is important If you are someone who wants to be a travel dancer, okay, I think I just got cut off because of my internet connection, but what I was saying before the universe so rudely interrupted me, and I apologize, it is not going to be synced very well uh, because I suck at that sort of thing. So rough stop, rough start, but be the dancer they will always let come back, right? If you want to travel dance, building and uh, fostering good relationships with clubs is going to be important, especially if they are clubs that allow travel dancers, right? You want to be the dancer that if you want to come back to this club, that they're definitely going to hire back. Be that dancer. That means as much as management probably sucks, don't start shit with them. You know, don't get drunk every night at work. Make money. Make money. If you're making money, that means the club is making money. That means they like you. Be sure to be courteous and nice to the other 
dancers, be courteous and nice to security, make sure you're tipping out the house mom, like do whatever it takes within reason, right? Like I'm not saying be a pushover, not don't be a brown noser, just come in and do your job and don't start shit. Be the dancer that will always be welcome back to make money because that leaves you with endless opportunities and places to work should you need them. If you end up back in a city that you were like, oh, I worked here once. Oh, they're this. I worked at this club. Boom. You probably have a much easier in than someone that's never worked there before. And that is really good to have. I always like to be fully honest about the fact that I will likely only be there for a month. Uh, If it's not a club where there's a huge turnaround, like a big tourist city, I don't always be like, hey, today is going to be my last day because they're not even going to notice anyway, to be honest. But if it's at a type of club where you most likely have a schedule or they like the dancers to have a schedule or work a minimum sort of days, minimum set of days a week, be transparent. Let them know how long you'll be in town. Let them know when you're leaving Build that good relationship with the club so that you know if you're passing back through another time or if you want to go back and dance, that they will absolutely let you come back. Especially if you liked the club and you made money at the club. Try not to burn bridges. It's really easy to do that in this industry because you can just kind of come and go however you want. There are opportunities to work everywhere. You know, most of the time we set our own schedules and our hours, so it's easy to just disappear. But if you want the opportunity to go back to a club again, try to foster that relationship as much as you can. That is it for my bulletin points. This has definitely been the longest episode I have ever recorded. If you specifically have questions about travel dancing, please use the voice memo option on the Spotify and Anchor app. You can send me a DM on at fit not at Fit Show Girl. That's my old Instagram. At Dottie Dynamo on Instagram, send me a message. I will help, you know, I'm happy to answer questions within reason, as I'm sure you understand my time is not free. But if it's a simple question, or maybe if people have a lot of questions, if lots of questions roll in, maybe I'll do a Q&A episode about travel dancing specifically on your questions. If you have been listening to this podcast for a while, it would really mean a lot to me if you could leave a review. Reviews help the podcast show up higher in search results, and it just lets me know that you enjoy the episodes that I'm putting out so that I can continue to do this because I do this podcast out of the pure joy of doing it and of wanting to give you more avenues for finding information. It is not monetized. I will never monetize this production. So the best way to give me feedback or to give me money per se is to just leave a review for the podcast. That would mean the world to me. That's all I have. Stay sexy, make money. As always, if you found this episode helpful or benefited from it in any way, or you think someone else would benefit from this episode, I'd love for you to take a screenshot, share it on your social media and tag me at Dynamo so I can see who's following along.